I'm Pete Moran, and we love to watch. We love to watch. X gonna give it to you. Fuck what you heard. It's what you hearing. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. X gonna give it to you. Fuck wait for you to get it on your own. X gonna deliver to you. Knock knock. Open up the door. It's real. If the not stop, pop out and stay still. Go hard getting busy with it. Hey Pete, I feel like you have one reference. <laughs> That's it. It was that I listened to DMX for about mm, two months in the fifth grade. Two months. What What were your favorite songs? Uh, Rough Riders. Anthem. Uh, X gonna give it to you. Is that the one where he uh, he says he's gonna murder Eminem? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's X gonna give it to you. Wasn't he on a song with Eminem called "Go to Sleep"? I mean. It was probably after he started. Guys, early 2000s, not good anything. Not good movies, not good music. Uh, But we actually, oh, perfect segue. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with these segues? (laughs) (laughs) With their two wheels, perfect balance? Uh, We're not goofing. (laughs) uh, Speaking of the early 2000s, this is a movie that screams that. We're on our, uh, where we love to watch, we're a movie podcast. We pick a theme and each month, we do a few movies around that theme, and if we remember, we compare and contrast them. And this month, we're doing space horror. That is, and again, I, I feel like I've already explained this a couple times. I want to make sure you're tracking with me. That is horror, wait for it, from outer space. Or, actually not, wait, hold on, look. I want a minor correction. It can be from Earth and then goes to outer space. Okay, yeah. Continue. It happens in space. The, yeah. The biggest part of the horror is definitely space-based. I mean, they can land on planets or whatever, but we're talking like 75% in space. Yeah. And uh, we're do- why are we doing this month? To stick it to those flat earthers. They're space, baby. Deal with it. (laughs) Deal with it. (laughs) All y'all people out there saying that, everyone out there saying that that the the, the stars are just uh, holes in a big sheet that God laid over the planet and and that's just light from heaven poking through? I don't think so. So... I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're doing Jason X. It's a bad movie from, from the 2000s. I'm going to sidetrack us immediately. I already disagree with you and we are three minutes in. (laughs) Uh, You disagree that it's a movie from the 2000s? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because that's all I said. Not on my calendar. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to minorly sidetrack as long as we're talking about Flat Earthers. I watched the Netflix documentary uh, uh, Behind the the Curve about Flat Earthers. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. It feels like something directed by uh, Christopher Guest, but it is the real people, uh, to the point that I got a little bit sucked in, not with the Flat Earth theory, but the movie only kind of goes through a little bit of, like, what their theory was. So, one of the main people featured has a um, 24-part video series on YouTube, (laughs) shocking, uh, about all of their uh, evidence – that they have collected that proves that uh, the Earth is flat, or at least their questions. Like it's basically like a. It takes a. a it's like their ten minute videos. It picks a. It picks a topic, 
And then it does 10 minutes on why this is one piece of evidence that supports the flat earth theory. Uh, Peter, I watched all 24 parts and was fascinated uh, because I expected their evidence to be a little bit more, I don't know, like compelling's the wrong word, but yeah, like I expected You expected some, more diagrams? I expected more diagrams. I expected like something that was horribly wrong, but something like with like misbegotten or poorly sourced evidence and like... Instead, I got literally, like, what-if scenarios that they are framing as what-ifs that definitely happened. Like, there is a part about the Arctic ice, which, of course, is not in Antarctica, but it's circling the Earth and we're not allowed there. <laughs> that Obviously. Just just says stuff. It just says stuff as evidence without any sources that the reason that they won't let people go to Antarctica – is because the government found proof of God's existence in Antarctica, and so they walled it off for everyone. And, like, there's no, like, someone said, we obtained a bullshit document. It is just like, oh, yeah, they so this is what happened. They walled it off. They won't let everyone go. We can change this. Get up today. Right? They don't want us to know about God because they are trying to keep us into believing into their they're spherical Earth, but as we know from the Bible, God exists and he's, there's evidence in Antarctica. So don't just write your congressman. Go see him. We can, if everyone tells everyone, we could change this tomorrow. I'm not talking long term. We can do, like, that was like one of the 10-minute videos. And I'm like, this is fucking more crazy than even the documentary. <laughs> do, do they know that, like, a lot of people live in Antarctica? Like, a lot? Uh, Well, I don't – look, Peter – Again, watch the videos. I think it'll add a lot of clarity um, <laughs> into like what they just ignore outright. Um, mm -hmm. I'm actually excited about this Apollo 11 documentary. One of their one of the entire 10 minute videos to prove that there is a global conspiracy to uh, to say that the Earth is is round when literally I guess millions of people know that's not the case and are all just keeping a secret. Uh, was that they barely made any. Uh, uh, space movies <laughs> like they're like they make movies in fantasy based on space but besides the right stuff in Apollo 13 both of which they don't actually go to the moon why is there no Apollo 11 movies why is there no just fictional movies that where they go to the moon and they're like because if they if you made a movie where they went to the moon you'd go that looks fake <laughs> so and, <laughs> or you'd go or you'd go that looks just like the NASA moon uh, landing so then you'd know it's fake and it's like Oh, I, I want to see if they are going to annotate that based on First Man and then the Apollo 11 documentary. <laughs> Maybe, probably not. They'll just pretend those movies don't exist. <laughs> My theory for this has been, always, has been these people are just trying to get some sort of Neil deGrasse Tyson type, but probably one without a sexual har harassment-assault record. Uh Someone with like a Neil deGrasse Tyson type to take them on Discovery Channel to own them. Yeah. And instead they just take them on a fucking like cross planet. Sorry. A cross uh, ocean, uh, you know, expedition and take them up to see Antarctica and these helicopters and on these boats and shit. And like they're all just like, yeah, this this doesn't even exist. You better show me that it exists. It really is. 
And this is the last thing I'll say about when you move on to the other horror, <laughs> which is uh, Jason. Uh, it really is just completely fascinating because, like, I get why. Wait, hold on. Jason is not a flat earther. He goes to space. No, he knows. I mean, he's even smarter than the flat earthers. And they make a big <laughs> point. They make a big point in this movie that he has a very tiny brain. Um, but uh, the flat earth thing, and even not just watching a movie about their evidence, but then watching all of their evidence. Like, this is like the – I think his name is Mark Leonard. Maybe that's wrong. Um but he's like one of the biggest celebrities in flat earth because of these like tutorial videos. He said those the people can like show their friends about the evidence. And I watched all of them and I was like, there's like nothing compelling here. Even his first one, which is three points, is just like, what if this happened? That seems a little weird about like how he was like flight charts and he's like, yeah, you never see him go from Australia to South America directly. Look it up yourself. And then, like, of course, in the documentary, they're like, yeah, we did. You can find those. But anyway, <laughs> but, like, it's so weird because at least, like, other conspiracy theories. I, I was, like, a little bit, especially, like, in junior high, you get, like, the uh, the children's encyclopedia that's all about, like, crypto shit. And you're like, ooh, Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot. Like, we didn't land on the moon. Like, the aliens actually exist. Like, all that shit. Like, there was a point where I probably believed some of it. Or, like, wanted to believe, like, David Duchovny style. Like, I want to believe this because it sounds really cool and intriguing and stuff like that. But at least, like, like if you say, like, okay, I don't think we landed on the moon. You listen to those people. And while their evidence is all wrong, they – or, like, even like even the 9-11 truthers, they're, like – they're saying, like, how flame melts beams and all this stuff. Like, they are offering debunked – easily debunked evidence – but they're offering like some form of evidence that if you don't know anything and you never seek out things that disprove it, uh, you're. You, I could see how people would be like, "Oh, interesting. We humans would die of radiation poisoning if they went past the Van Allen radiation belts." Well, interesting. Total stranger who just gave me that information. I guess if what you're saying is true, the moon landing was faked. Like. And you, if you just never go past that, I can see that piece of, like, whatever staying in your head. This doesn't even offer that level of, like, we have given some debunked facts as true and are presenting them in a compelling way. This is just, I don't know. They haven't even seen how they keep saying what's in the core of the earth. How do they know when they've only gone five miles deep? <laughs> like, it's not even stuff that, like, connects to if this is true. It means the Earth is flat. It is just shit they say, and they're like, so, Earth must be flat then. Giant government conspiracy. Like, it, it, it's so crazy. I hope you all, A, watch the documentary, and then also watch all 240 minutes of a lunatic's YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> and watch the documentary Jason X, which proves that the Earth is round. Well, Peter, we never see an establishing shot of the Earth, so... <laughs> which are which are ps all drawn by artists uh anyway so yeah so jason x uh it, weirdly the first i don't know how much of that is gonna make it in but maybe a little bit because i i just i wanted to talk more about you, just need, you had a bee in your bonnet tonight. i just wanted to look it's one of those things that is even crazier than you think and you like or want to talk about it with uh i i guess i can say you but you didn't really have much to add, which is really disappointing for our repertoire. But uh. <laughs> the earth isn't even flat in my own house. 
because because it it was built a long time ago and it's actually not level in most of the place and is that a problem? <laughs> you guys, are things uh, dropping out of your hands and rolling under couches? <laughs> Speaking of space horror, uh, we we lose a lot of things in in our space, and it is quite the horror. <laughs> I never know what that darn remote is. Lost in space. Lost in. Uh, this technically, my apartment is a uh, space. It's not the space. Well, it's not called lost in the space. It's called lost in space. Yeah, exactly. Anytime here, fun fact, uh, no matter what the round earthers say, uh, anytime you lose something, it's lost in space. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Has to be somewhere. Look it up, boneheads. It's in space. <laughs> uh, well, I wanna, let's make a, a Rush Limbaugh, uh, Alex Jones style uh, radio show where we only say common knowledge that everyone agrees with in a very confrontational way. <laughs> The sky's blue, and that's just facts, folks. Hey. That's just facts. Hey, you know what? I don't want me saying this, but if your tank is on empty, get some gas. You get the gas. Your car will keep going. I gotta say this, folks. I gotta say this right now. I before E, except after C. That's all I gotta say. There's exceptions if you look at other languages with different grammatical rules. <laughs> you know, when you really look at it, when you really get down to the facts, you really get down to the facts. A rectangle is just a really long square. Am I right, folks? Oh, my gosh. If you are over 40, get your prostate examined. Because if you don't do it, the government might make you do it for <laughs> safety. Because they care about you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that, like, even even that good advice, like, people would leave that show angry at someone. Like, to oh, the point, yeah, yeah. maybe they become really polite. Like, they see someone litter and they go, oh, just like the communist to litter. <laughs> How many episodes before you think Joe Rogan's like, those guys, they got big ideas. I got to bring them on. Whoa, it's like uh, Egyptian pyramid shit. Like, I... <laughs> I you know I bet you if we could decode all the hieroglyphics which we know we can't we would we would also know that it's good to let food sit a little bit after it's heated up uh, so that you don't burn your mouth guys that is a government plot <laughs> do you think the aliens told the Egyptians about uh, blowing on your food so you don't burn the roof of your mouth that's a government conspiracy I eat my food boiling temps and this is why my voice sounds this way don't even get me started on soup soup will burn you when you're not even expecting it blow on your soup uh, so Jason X yeah let's 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 do like five minutes on the fact we've never done a Friday the 13th movie on the show this legally is not a Friday the 13th movie because New Line Cinema did not have the rights to the name Friday the 13th. Sorry, I'm blowing on some soup. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, good. I hope you're okay and live a healthy life without a burned mouth roof. I'm turning into Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you are definitely okay. Never going. You're uh, just like, you're just like, I just need to go to general wrestling area. Oh, We're fine. Yeah. It's our new character. Good advice, right wing. That's that's the problem. Right is like our like Rachel Maddow is like and Bill Maher are so. We smug. let's not let's not compare those two. I know. 
She's like a nice person that just happens to be in this space. Bill Maher is an actual asshole. But you know what I mean? Like the le- like our leftist types end up be- being so fucking smug too. Like I want him to come out and just be full on wrestler mode. Yeah. Bill Maher, like good advice, Bill Maher would be like, okay, have you heard about this? When you uh, get a new cat, let him walk around the house a little bit to get used to his surroundings maybe. <laughs> new, rules. <laughs> new rule new <laughs> rule uh when your dog goes outside clean up after it <laughs> no 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 it makes still the neighborhood pleasant. still sounds smug i know that's what i mean it's good advice bill maher yeah still sounds smug you need to be like when you take your dog out to go to the bathroom it'd just be really nice if you could pick up after yourself that's all i'm saying Good advice, uh, Rachel Maddow, goes like this. In 1743, <laughs> grass <laughs> was planted for the first time in someone's backyard. Uh, since then, we've been doing a bunch of different things with backyards. It's become part of the American institution. And that's why you should always, in the summer, mow your lawn twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the war of I mean, 1812, pretend I, I cut out I cut out 30 down. minutes of that, but I wanted to just get to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the war of 1812 and the White House was being burned down, uh, the, several works of great art were being taken out of the White House and blah, 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 and that's why you should always reciprocate oral sex. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god, I don't know how well we got there, but I bet there was a lot of dates. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, so we've never done a Friday the 13th movie. Uh, and I have not – Peter, how many have you seen? This is – Why don't you just list the five? ones Five? I've seen one, one through f- six, I guess. One through four and then this and uh, Freddy versus Jason. Okay. Um, so you – so I've, uh, I've seen one, three, eight – Nine, ten, and Freddy versus Jason. So that puts me. Is, Jason X is it, the X is actually a Roman numeral, right? No, it's not actually in the it's IMD just, trivia. It's just, it's like just in X. space. It's just X. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, but I mean, it is the tenth movie, so <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they wanted it pronounced Jason X. They didn't want it pronounced Jason Ten. Got it. Well, I, I, yeah, that's that's one thing I wanted to talk about real but quickly. Fun fact is, it, can you explain the licensing thing? Because they had yeah. the rights to Jason, mm-hmm. but not to Friday. So they had... And, and can Chris Tucker be in the next one? <laughs> no, but he can be in the Friday after next. Got it. <laughs> yeah, so they... Uh, so Paramount um, sold everything. Like Camp Crystal Lake, um, Jason, all this stuff to New Line Cinema in the... After uh, Jason Takes Manhattan was a bust. But I I don't know the logic behind it. Whatever they did, they didn't sell the Friday the 13th name. They're like, you can't use that. So that's why uh, number number nine is uh, uh, the final Friday. Jason goes to hell. This was Jason X. And then we had Freddy versus Jason. Although that – and I'm not quite sure the reason. Maybe they wanted to preserve like – I don't know. It's even like pre – like it's even early VHS error. So I'm not quite – Sure, Paramount still owns the rights to all those movies. When you buy like Friday the 13th sets, you usually get um, like the the first eight. Like I bought a digital pack of all the Friday the 13th movies when it was really cheap and I got one through eight. Like you, those other two are 
the rest of them you need to buy separately or stuff like that. Who the fuck knows? But regardless, they weren't allowed to use the Friday the 13th name, uh, which fine. Jason X is good. I don't know why they didn't call it Jason in Space. It seems like an obvious one. How about um, Jason in Space? And- I mean, Jason is kind of one of the th- the three iconic slashers, but he's like the he was actually really late to get into the space trend. Um, you know, Hellraiser did it in the 90s. Uh, Critters did it. Uh, mm-hmm. Leprechaun did it. Like, uh, And it was usually a series of, for the most part, of like ill repute that had passed their prime. So J- Mike Myers and uh, Freddy never went to space. Uh, but Jason did. And I actually think, again, I haven't seen all of them. I know four... And I want to say six are pretty well loved for these movies. The I think the remake is the best distillation of Friday the 13th. Uh, Peter and I had that debate a little bit during last October or just a discussion about it. But I, I have said that I think this is the most fun I have watching a Friday the 13th movie. Now, don't get too excited. That's still three, three and a half star range. You know, when we watched The Nightmare, I, we kind of talked on our uh, uh, Freddy's Dead episode that I think both you and I, Peter, had kind of never gone through and watched all the Nightmare movies. We only watched the ones that were considered good. And then we went back and watched them all. And we're like, oh, the vast majority of these are good and inventive and weird and fun. There's a specific thing I get from this type of just it's a slasher movie. It's like it's it's a form of comfort food where I don't have to think. But – one of these days, I'm going to go through the whole series or at least watch the ones that I missed just for fun. I don't expect to walk away, like, loving all of it. And I've seen the documentary, which I really enjoy, of, like, all ten movies, the eight-hour uh, Camp Crystal Lake memories. And even from seeing it in clip form, it's like, yeah, it's going to be the same thing essentially over and over. Yeah, I, I'm i not a fan of the series in general. I, I came to it late, but, like, I've always been a Halloween guy. Halloween uh, 1 has this, like, beautiful minimalism to it that, like, the Friday movies never quite captured. And then the when the Friday movies, the Friday the 13th movies, like, start getting ridiculous, they also, like, went over the line more often than they went, like, right in my sweet spot. Yeah. And this is a movie, Jason X, this is a movie that, like, landed right in my sweet spot for yeah. like, ridiculousness. Whereas I really hate Freddy vs. Jason, which I, I think is, like... Both series getting cynically into unknown waters and like just going for ridiculousness in a sense that is ungrounded by anything. Like it's just like, all right, here's another weird thing that we could have. Here's another set piece. Here's another set piece, which would normally be fine. But like it's directed with this sort of like douchey mid 2000s sheen that I I just can't get behind. One thing I like about this compared to the other Friday 13 movies is like it it kind of serves its own parody of the series which is really fun. (sighs) Friday the 13th and I know I've seen the documentary. There's a lot of creators in there but I've also seen the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary and uh, not trying to compare the series in like a negative way that puts down the creators and all the people that worked on Friday the 13th. But you get a sense watching those documentaries that in Friday the 13th, they were focused on how do we do inventive kills and what should be our tiny twist on this story? Like there was never an attempt to reinvent anything, to do something unique. None of the people involved uh, really seemed to have that 
passion to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes because of a previous entry, they had to create a workaround um, to address it. Like in, in number five, that ultimately I think fans and a lot of people said was a failure and a bad movie. But like the uniqueness to some of the movies compared to just the Jason slashing was for the most part just a, well, we got to do something because we said we killed him in the last movie. There just there di- doesn't seem to be a lot of creative passion uh, on display, even in the documentaries. It's very workmanlike. It's very we know what we want to deliver and maybe like I will, I'll put my little twist on it. Um, as as Bugsy. opposed to Never Never Sleep Again, where every single one of the directors is like really trying to come up with something creative and inventive. And like sometimes mo- they succeed, sometimes they fail, but like they all are just so much more like here's my vision as opposed to here's a job that I can put my stamp on. And what that's what really bugs me about the Friday the 13th movies is that even even you know comparing them to movies without franchises uh compare it to the other uh Halloween ripoffs so to speak um I just saw like My Bloody Valentine uh Black Christmas which obviously came before Halloween um well the burning was a uh, the burning yeah. was, uh, the burning um what's the other one that I just I just told you to watch um, not combat shock. Um, um, I don't remember. Yeah, but the there veteran. Were... But there was a, there's a bunch of these like cynical Halloween and, and you know a slumber party massacre was sort of made cynically. Um, and these were all hollow. Just the slasher movie in general in the eighties was all like Halloween, a little bit of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that, that. yeah. And they were all trying to uh, essentially recapture that financial energy in the most cynical way manner, uh, this most cynical manner possible. However, most of those movies that I just named, I like all of them a lot. I like all of them more than any individual entry in the the Friday the Thirteenth, uh, the you know uh, series, and most of the Halloween movies, not the first one. Um, almost actually, probably every Halloween movie <laughs> except for the first one, and. They uh they managed to not make the same missteps that Friday the Thirteenth made, but Friday the Thirteenth got huge. Yeah, and even the first one is kind of a like I hate saying it, but like it feels like a big twist now because uh, Jason became the star of the show, and it's like a footnote in history that he wasn't killing the first one. But the first one is just an old lady kills people at a camp. Like it wasn't a setup. It wasn't a franchise. Like Jason was the surprise scare. And and it's not that good of a movie. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't care for it that much. It's it's not it's not um, brutal and, and taut the way that you know my bloody Valentine or the burning were. And like yeah. I just I know, but I am glad in a sense that my the burning and my bloody Valentine got to be kind of um, uh, sacred. They didn't they didn't get driv- driven to the ground. Um, like you were saying about Friday the Thirteenth, sorry about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street got to every director got to lean into this crazy idea a killer who kills through dreams yeah in friday the 13th the idea that every director had to lean into uh more or less except for there's a, t- a couple tommy jarvis movies i guess uh but it's essentially masked killer murders teenagers and most of and them hate have, sex and hate sex and most of them have so much disregard or they have so little regard 
for the characterization and they were so cynical that they never bothered to make any of the characters likable so it feels like a tragedy when they die and they never but it also has the added effect of like it's boring to watch people you hate party yeah like, imagine going to like a random high school party right now and being like a fly on the wall with a group I think of kids I, that you just to let hate. you know i like, think uh, i think they'd notice us <laughs> i don't think that would be possible to be uh the 35 year old guy like hey just observing I, to see i said just, I, I said fly on the wall. Did you uh, mean you proportionate mean, fly? Like, uh, yeah, a, so like a Jeff Goldblum brundle fly? Well, I think that's what you thought. Um, <laughs> I meant like a metaphoric fly in the wall where like I'm a wallflower and I just hang out in the back. But I think I think the party would stop pretty quickly when I'm like, don't worry about me. I'm just finding my spot in the back to observe all of you. <laughs> Uh, don't worry, I'm just being a little bit of an anthropologist. Did that guy say cop? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta write it for my notes. Uh, uh, and they're like, well, hey, 35-year-old stranger, what do you mean observe us? Oh, I'm trying to compare you to uh, the kids in the Friday the 13th movie that get murdered. Um, <laughs> just to see if I uh, feel the same way about you guys as the audience uh, feels about how little they care about those characters getting murdered. Go on with your beer pong. <laughs> Go on with your beard pong. <laughs> your drinking games. Uh, continue your sport. <laughs> <laughs> and you. You go on with your flirtations with that young lady. She's clearly interested. In my day, we had one cup. <laughs> we'd have we'd have all these cups. Everyone used it. Who who had a ping pong ball? Who was rich enough to afford a table tennis ball? Oh no no no! We had to use my dad's racquetballs. <laughs> and then he found out, and he took away our Ataris. <laughs> No pong for a week, they'd say. Uh. Dad, can I still run with scissors? Of course you can. We don't care about safety. <laughs> it's encouraged. All right, but make sure you play with your lawn darts first. And it, but masturbation was without lotion and it hurt. <laughs> it's not good, folks. We couldn't afford lotion. Lotion wasn't no, invented until 1994 when people discovered Cindy Crawford, the first supermodel. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then everyone notices that you accidentally drank all the beer. <laughs> yeah. Also I won beer pong. Oh, old man trick. <laughs> I won the now, who wants to drive me home? <laughs> I won I won the pong of beer. My wife is fighting with me because <laughs> I went to go do this. Honesty is the best policy. Um, uh, I did I've not been declared the troll, but can I still sleep under the ping pong table? <laughs> Um, so, um, even, uh, so I, I, so Jason X was actually the first Friday the 13th movie I'd ever had any interest in. It was the first one I watched. I don't, and then I think I saw Jason takes Manhattan next and then Freddy versus Jason and then didn't circle around till, uh, one, three and nine until, I don't know, the last like seven or eight years. Um, and just because I had bought them and I was like trying to do one of those things where I bought – watch movies that I bought. Um, <laughs> That's weird. And Yeah. And I was uh, – we've talked about this. I don't need to rehash it. But like horror movie as a uh, – in general was, was a genre that I didn't – I wasn't that fond of. I was fond of specific sex. Like I liked 
Uh, I like the Scream revival that like looked on these movies as stupid. And so I was a big fan of like that sort of like edgy teen horror movies from the late 90s. So Scream, I know you did last summer, Urban Legend. Uh, so you like to feel superior to things. Yeah, but it was, you know, that was one of my, I mean, Scream came out when I was 13. So, and I watched it, I think, when I was on video when I was 14. So those movies that are kind of poking fun at how generic this genre is, it didn't didn't make me like rush to want to see these movies. <laughs> like, you know, Halloween or any of them. It was just like, oh yeah, it's a formula serial killer. Boring. Now everyone recognizes it's boring. That's why they're making movies that are like poking holes at how common the tropes were. And so like so I like we needed we needed our meta moment. Uh we needed to go through that before we could come back around and be un- unironic and like really embrace something you know like we need the in general we needed the 90s before we could come back around and have like the earnestness of the millennial yeah. era yeah and so like when you start when your first uh, reference to these movies is is that these are stupid and that everyone kind of accepts they're kind of these dumb stupid things you know it wasn't something that I was rushing to to go back to and and then the other type of horror movie I liked was over the top comedy horror, as they call it. So you're dead alive and you're evil dead twos. And then and then occasionally I'd watch like a horror movie because I was going through AFI lists. So like The Exorcist on the most thrilling list. But like I thought like there's those were the exceptions, and for the most part, horror movies were dumb. Um, and part of part of why I thought that is is that scream crop of movies that kind of almost posited horror movies are dumb. And then I thought horror comedies were like, oh, these are dumb. Let's have a ton of fun with them. So Jason X, as you can imagine, I think I was a sophomore in college, like appealed to me like, oh, they're just doing a dumb thing where he goes in space. That is appealing to me as someone who has never found anything appealing about Friday the 13th before. So I saw it in theaters. Space. And it's never, it's true, never been to space. So I saw it and I really liked it. Um, but it just, and it's always been something I've stood up for. I liked it this time around too. It was the only, I think, chastened movie where they're like, hey, let's try to have a little fun with this concept. And then you find out why they even tried to have that much fun. And it still kind of is like, oh, yeah, that fits the somewhat uh, sadness of the creativity center of these movies, which is they were working on Freddy versus Jason and didn't want anything that would uh, interfere with the continuity or whatever they were going to write there. So they're like. Let's set it after whatever happens in Freddy versus Jason where he's frozen and then set it 400 years in the future. So even that was just like, let's keep Jason's name out there while we work on the big one. Yeah, it feels like a placeholder movie, right? Like, And it looks like a cheap, terrible, direct-to-video Hellraiser sequel. Or a, like a sci-fi mo- uh, channel movie from that time era. Yes. That it looks like it was shot for TV. There's a there's a genuine uh, lack of any sort of production value in this that makes it look extremely chintzy. And what I kind of love about that is that you and I almost never do you and I almost never do like a mo- the modern trash that we actually really like. Yeah, like it, it like the, the the lovable trash that like still has something worth talking about and worth embracing and like what it actually does right because like the the uh i always like to say this in like and like a hundred contexts and at work i like to say this i like to say this in life too that like presentation is not content 
the the fact that this looks cheap and the lighting is terrible and all that doesn't betray the fact that or it betray, it betrays the fact that the actual content of it is really smart and funny and there's a lot of like fun surprises and it's really self-aware with the genre's tropes and yeah. even in specific the series' tropes and finds a way to make this all fun and surprising and it's it's not doing the fucking sharknado thing where it's purposely bad because that yes. is like almost never fun i always appreciate movies that try to have fun and don't take themselves that seriously and are just like what would be some goofy stuff so i i i don't know if this is not a good movie but it I is a very a good movie i i just think maybe i'm just parsing terms but I think it's a very enjoyable movie and it's a movie that I enjoy watching. And so even if like the acting and the technical expertise and the cinematography is kind of like a bunch of garbage, it, like you said, the the content and the way it just feels different than a lot of these movies, uh, probably even the other space ones, is like refreshing. And it's like it's fun in a way that a lot of Friday the 13th movies are slogs. Before we get into the movie proper – we never do this, uh, but I do have a better elevator pitch for this concept, Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think that if they were employing people that had the creativity around, like, the Friday 13th movies, that someone could have come up with this. Because, it, like, it grazes this concept and then never does anything with it. And I'm like, oh, I would have liked to see that movie. I don't have a full ending or, like, twist and turns or, like, how you get out of the problem that I'm creating. But I do like the idea that um, that the good, ver- the, like the really, really good version of this is uh, when they find Jason or whatever. Like they find him, but they use whatever is going on in his genes a long time ago, like that causes because they they talk about in this movie how like his genes regenerate and it effectively makes him immortal. Like that's the science behind Jason. Uh, what if like. Yeah, they unthaw him in that first scene, but then society, like, cracks it in the intervening years, and so everyone now has, like, those genes spliced in where they are all, like, have the same regenerative properties and can't die like Jason. They, like, they took that from him, and then when he somehow breaks out or gets out or whatever happens and goes around killing people and spreading, like, his Jason fear or whatever, like... It doesn't work because he can hack at people all they want. They have the same regenerative uh, properties that he has. Um, Yeah, that's a great elevator pitch. And it's also, weirdly enough, like really uh, ripe sort of uh, field for horror in general. The idea that like we we have moved on beyond the sort of like just being these weak kind of bodies that yeah. that, that just you know if one thing goes wrong we're fucked and the idea that like a, a horror villain and us could be on the same plane like you can go anywhere with that like that's great speculative sci-fi well, and, and I just it's I just horror. like the I just like the idea where the horror becomes like and it's tough to do with Jason cuz you need someone I think with a little bit more brain power uh, maybe not a ton, but still, like, I like the idea of the thing that made him, like, that gave him his oomph, which is, like, the ability to cause fear and inflict murder and not be killed. Like, he himself was used to take that away from him so that, like, the horror in the future is that he is unable to complete any of his tasks because of himself. Like, his power that allowed him this reign of terror has been, like, taken from him. 
and given to everyone else to make it that he is like literally going around hacking people up and they're like, yeah, it's fine. Like I come, I regenerate because (laughs) what a weird dude like to, to want to go do that. Like they might not even recognize that it's Jason. And then like, he has some horror to do where he has to be like, figure out how to achieve, (laughs) achieve like his goals. Like, cause that's been stripped from him. Yeah, and it, it makes the, the 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 points in this movie where Jason is on his toes or confused is really what makes it interesting because it's not just someone being like, "Hey, Jason, remember your mom?" Like that's usually in the previous movies what makes throws him off his game. And this yeah. instead, it's like it's like, "Hey, your shit isn't so special anymore." <laughs> Well, and they kind of touch it because they they talk about his regenerative abilities. They talk about him being worth a lot of money. Um, And then they talk about like you're you're introduced to this concept of the nanites, right? Which are like these things that can repair um, flesh and limbs almost instantaneously, which is why the the opening scene, someone gets hurt and everyone's just like, ah, all right, get them to the nanites and stuff like that. And it kind of like implied this world where like death and being hacked to bits and all these things were like not concerning because they had essentially um, gotten past that with this medical technology. But then they don't do much with it with that concept because like that concept meets a slasher who wants to hack people up is very interesting to me. And then combined with the genetic stuff is like, oh, why didn't they tie those things two things together where the the reason why they're not scared about getting limbs slacked off and stuff like that is because of Jason. Like that technology comes from Jason. Yeah, the I, I wrote in the in the first scene when David Cronenberg is David Cronenberg is the scientist trying to Did you know that this was shot in Canada, Peter? Yeah, the director, James Isaac, worked with David Cronenberg. He he, uh, worked on his special effects for a few of his movies in the 90s. Um, Yeah. And and they were kind of Canadian film buddies. Uh, David Cronenberg essentially said, you can borrow my crew, but I want to get murdered in a Jason movie, which is like adorable, right? Yeah. Um, Everyone sees David Cronenberg as this like cold reserved intellectual but like sometimes he just wants to do dorky shit too and get murdered in a jason movie he's like hell yeah kill me in the movie i don't care like he made it a condition that he would be in this movie yeah um but but yeah but the but the but the fact that he the fact that he is uh he's in the opening scene like yeah we need to study jason and like he's played off as like a mad scientist i'm like yeah, you should probably study Jason. The dude yeah. just like doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then he mentions that they're going to study him for his regenerative powers that he can't be killed. It's yeah, like, yeah, I could see that having some potential scientific merit. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about that more on the other side. Peter, do you want to continue our discussion about Jason? Uh, Roman numeral X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Emperor Jasonius uh, the tenth. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Aaron, you are alternate taglines. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, 
Shame on me. Fool me three times. Also shame on me four times. Shame on me five times. Kind of shame on you because you told me the fourth time was the last time. (laughs) Fool me six times. Shame on me again. Fool me seven times. Also shame on me. Fool me eight times. Uh, Yeah, that's definitely 100% on you again because, again, you said it was going to be in New York and it was in an alley in Toronto. Uh, (laughs) Fool me nine times. Uh, that's kind of both of us because I was all excited about him, Jason going to hell in a new studio and what they were going to do with it, possibly Freddie, but you kind of fucked all that up. So that's, let's go 50, 50 on that one. Uh, the 10th time you didn't fool me. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) 10th time. Nobody fooled. So I just want to say, I think that should have been the tagline. And I, I uh, yeah, think it would have fit on a poster. Two posters. Yeah, that's fine. It's we just get one of the ones that uh, reverse side. Oh, you're a real visionary for marketing. The yeah. best thing about they say uh, brevity is for cowards. That's a an old saying. Ideally, if you're reading a tagline, the best way to experience it is to read the first part outside and then have to enter the building uh, where it reflects as well on the other side to finish the tagline. That's just marketing, baby. Yeah. You know how you're reading a book and then you have to go walk to the other side of your house to finish the rest of that book? Ideally, you want to experience uh, marketing in both kinds of doors, in and out. Yeah, once people once people get their eyes on something, you want them to have to walk thirty feet to see the rest of it with potentially a drastic temperature change, <laughs> <laughs> and someone push ushering them into the theater. Yeah. Before you get into it, I just want to say um, with with the plot, one of my notes says so more like too- the plop because it's shit. Uh, the like, movie's like, good. I'm just kidding. Like poop falling into a toilet. I get it. Mm-hmm. Great, great wordplay, Peter. <laughs> um, so I watched this a few days ago and was looking over my notes. And one of my notes, it says, so 2001. And I was like, what part of this did I think was like 2001 A Space Odyssey? <laughs> then I remembered that was the year it was produced. And that's what that note meant. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely has very little to do with 2001. In fact, there, if there's a spectrum uh, of space movies, <laughs> I would say Jason X and, you know, Leprechaun in space and such occupy, you know, one terminus. And then on the opposite, opposite, opposite side <laughs> is 2001 A Space Odyssey. It feels like they have different goals in mind, which is fine. Yeah, Roger Ebert told us that as long as cinema accomplishes its goal... It's just as good as the other movie that does that with a different goal. Well said, Raj. So, the theme of this movie is space. (laughs) Uh, So, it begins, Jason is in a military research factory. Research factory? Whatever. You know, Uh, one of those research factories. Yeah, you know. Hey, turn up the research machine. (laughs) We got to get out of here by five. (laughs) I want five research on my desk by five. Oh, get those union buster researchers out of (laughs) here. <laughs> they're gonna bring this in is some, our factory. Yeah, they're gonna bring in some scab researchers to come in and mess with our samples. They're doing research for half the price. <laughs> 
boss, uh, I think they're uh, seventh, a seventh grade science class. <laughs> uh, boss, uh, maybe we should make a deal with the with the with the union because uh, one of those scab researchers uh, they just invented cold fusion. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Jim Robbins! <laughs> Tom Boppins! Yeah, I, I think that all works thematically because I think Tim Robbins, wannabe researcher and scientist who works as an auto mechanic, would 100% join the scabs in a uh, hiring against the union at the research factory. That's a sentence no one's ever said before. <laughs> and then some guy's like, I don't, I don't, it ain't my job. To tell you whether or not you were fair, Paley, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut Jason in half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, research factory. So research factory. Uh, David Cronenberg's doing research on him. Inevitably, Jason escapes, uh, and there's a fight between him and uh, is she like the security expert? Uh, she I don't know, but expert? she doesn't like it. She's a, she's she's like, a science damned. soldier. Yeah, she's definitely one of the factory workers. She's a science soldier dash factory worker, and she, uh, she and Jason get into a fight. It's very like the much the end of a Friday the Thirteenth movie, and it ends with her carbon freezing him, and then she also gets carbon frozen because of you know Jason. Jason does it. Jason sliced uh, out the carbon freezer, so the yeah. security door so makes a bigger carbon freezer. Yeah, so it ta- he, t- he takes a little refrigerator, and it makes it into a really big refrigerator. I don't know. Jason, maybe they should hire him into the research staff for restaurants. He made a really big restaurant. Or re- refrigerator. That's why we have bigger fridges now. That's why we have bigger fridges, because Jason made it. Anyways, you jump to the year 2400? Yeah, it's um, 400 years later. Well, and this part takes place in, like, 2022, so a couple years from now. Yeah, just a couple years. And uh, the a, a group of uh, scientists, uh, horny scientists, let me say, uh, pick up Jason and the, and the lady, and they thaw her, and then they thaw him. And as you can imagine, she's like, you got to kill him. You got to blast him out of the fucking time lock, whatever, this the space lock. And uh, the time lock. Oh, my God, the ship is a Stargate. I missed that plot point. <laughs> you got to blast him back to the year 1980. Send him back um, to Egypt. <laughs> Let Ramsey's deal with that guy. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I just want a Bill and Ted, but it's just Jason murdering historical figures. Oh, no! Um, Lincoln got his head cut off. <laughs> That's equally as bad as what actually happened. <laughs> Doc Brown comes in. He's like, he's like, Jason. <laughs> We gotta go back to the year 1950. We gotta go back to the year 1955 so you can have sex with your mom. You're fine, Jason. You're gonna go on murdering. It's your kids, Jason. We gotta do something about your kids. They're uh, not murderers. <laughs> That's the dilemma so for Jason as well. None of this happens in the movie. Um so uh, Jason it. is Jason escapes on the ship. He starts doing murder. Uh, the crew is sort of reacting to it in a typical Friday the Thirteenth manner, though it's in space. So there's some fun twists. And uh, like uh, Aaron alluded to, there's a table that you can um, essentially like if you have an arm chopped off, you can like lay on the table and it'll reconstruct reconstruct your arm uh, with these little like nano machines. So. Um, 
Eventually, they upgrade the robot member of the crew member, uh, and yeah, there's an android. Yeah, she's she's a ro- she's a hardcore robot, and she gets an upgrade from sex, and she does a good murder on Jason. It's re- it's like a Matrix kind of thing. Yeah, and then uh, Jason ends up on the table. Oh no, he ends up on the nano machine table, and he gets like it turns into a super Jason. He's got metal plates. And he's like unkillable, and then the rest of the and crew, then he starts knocking down pillars until the dock uh, falls on them, but the Ninja Turtles jump out of the way. In yeah, the last minute because he looks exactly like Super Shredder from <laughs> The Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, he looks exactly like Super Shredder, but one big improvement. Yo, no racist accent. <laughs> Yo, it's the Silver Machine gonna rock the town. Um, <laughs> what racist accent? Doesn't don't, don't Shredder and Splinter both have racist accents? Oh, Splinter's a racist accent. It doesn't Shredder also have like a kind of racist like he, ethnic cue to it? Yeah, but he's played by an Asian person. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, so I mean, I don't I don't think that's racist. <laughs> oh, that's fine then. But uh, Splinter is played by Elmo. <laughs> yeah, so definitely <laughs> Kevin Clash. You're on. Uh, you're you're canceled, Kevin Clash. Kevin Clash. Uh, in case you didn't know, it's the first time anyone's ever had a problem with you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So 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 where was I? Oh, so then Jason is Jason is a super Jason, and he uh, he's doing battle with the members of the team, and uh, they all sort of take turns at killing him. So like. They blast – someone blows up part of the ship and blasts him into space and then another member of the team grabs onto him and then fucking flies him into the atmosphere, killing both of them. And then there's a little uh, – it's not a stinger because it happens before the movie's over, but there's a little twist ending where all – the a couple of horny teens are sitting by a lake on Earth and Jason's mask lands in the water. It's kind of implying like – Oh, yeah, because he's Jason unkillable. Yeah, he shot as a comet to this new camp planet because Earth is dead. Uh, let's circle back. Earth 2. Is Earth 2. Uh, let's actually circle back uh, to get into the first thing I want to talk about. So there is a bad guy. So the, the reason that they find Jason is that they are uh, like mat, like mat, people, college students, but like in getting in their master's degree or like interns with this research vessel uh, that is the captain is a is a professor. And also, uh, for reasons unknown, the uh, whole entire core of the military is also on this ship, and they report to the professor. So it kind of is like uh, this is the future liberals want, where <laughs> the professor is in charge of the military. Um, but uh, he is a skis, and he is using these um, these traps, these quote unquote research trips to find artifacts to sell to his dealer at the space station. Uh, and the dealer has a very funny line, which was probably not funny in 2001, but is very funny now. Where he's like, oh, you're going to bring me some more of those DVDs no one wants? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so apparently they at one point he, they brought back DVDs, probably all full screen versions of 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> full screen. One can imagine. Yeah. So it's but but so he's kind of like this skeezy professor and he is also sleeping with one of his students. Uh, But that's the part I want to talk about. So there is a part of this movie where they get Jason uh, aboard and they uh, wake up uh, the uh, the woman from 2019, uh, the research factory worker, 
And everyone goes off to like five different couples go off to have sex. Uh, it is like a porno that never turns into a porno. It is just like people are making out on the Jason table with him there. And it's like, go fucking have sex. And then everyone's like, okay, our turn to go have sex. And it kind of has a scene where everyone is flashing in between sex. Uh, the professor and his student are into some S&M stuff. One of the android is having sex with another student. And she's like putting on metal nipples. And he's like, I like you the way that you are. Other people are having other kinds of sex. Like, I think in the context of, of the Jason movies, they use that scene to wake up Jason. Like, that is that is the impetus for Jason, like, coming to you on this hospital bed after being frozen for 400 years. Like, so many people are having sex that the sex energy wakes him up. And then he I walks in. But, like, just in the terms of, like, I don't know if this movie's trying to say something about, like, sex positivity, but... There is a little bit besides, like, the professor-student relationship, but he is treated as a total, like, terrible person. Um, it, it almost feels a little bit sex-positive in a weird that I wasn't expecting from a Jason movie that is almost, like, underlining how sex-negative. Like, that's one of my big problems morally with the Friday the 13th movies is they're very much a, like, if you have sex, you get killed. Sex literally powers up the android in this movie uh, in the grossest line in cinema history. Uh, do you want me to tell you it? Yeah. Uh, so the android is just sort of like a normal android, you know, just doing research, being all cold. And then she's got a android uh, controller? Boyfriend? Um, Guy? What's the relationship here? Is it is it father-daughter? Because that's the way no, I read I, it. No, no, I didn't read it that at all. I just read it as like she was an autonomous person who he's she's been – He's been helping learn her humanity. Like, it felt very... I don't know. It didn't feel... Uh, it didn't feel sleazy to me. I don't know. Well, there's one line that is really gross, and it's the grossest line in cinema history, actually. And he's... And well, maybe when just, uh, they, they imply they have sex, maybe, it's off screen. Maybe I was screen. too busy jerking off, Peter. And they, they, they imply they have sex, it's off screen, and then he turns to her... Or he, he explains to Jason, and he's like, and he's like, well, now she's badass. I gave her an upload. Oh, um, but that happens way later. No, that's right after they have no, sex. No, it is absolutely not because it's she doesn't right turn into a sex. It is absolutely not. It is exactly then. You go watch no. the movie right now, you son of a bitch. He, but here, so here's why I don't think that's the case. That upload you're talking about is where she gives, where she gets cool ass Matrix moves. Yeah. Like, Okay, but that doesn't happen right after they have sex. Having sex wakes him up, and then he kills the entire military force. No, and he doesn't have sex. He doesn't have sex with the android until much later after that montage. Oh, okay, that's he's, right. They I mean, get, he like has, he's like feeling up her boobs or something. And he's like and he's like I don't know why you want these. That's sort of them like that's sort of a sex. Oh, okay, scene, but that's a joke. Uh, there's a scene where she she wants breasts and he's like, I don't know why you want these things. No, like, no, like, uh, she is like, she's like, hey, I'll put nipples on my breasts because they didn't build nipples. Mm. And he's like, there you go. can do that if you, if they make, he says if like, if they make you happy, great, but I like you just the way they are, which like, that's good sex positivity. That's like, look, I'm not saying like, don't do this. Like, don't, don't wear makeup. You're prettier without makeup. You're like. I'm fine either way, but you should do what makes you happy. I okay. So my point here is this: that that's a gross uh, the, line. Se 
But I, just, is that it's a gross line, A. And B, uh, it's not actually gross. It's just gross in like a, like a looking at poop is gross. Uh, it's, it's gross. It's not gross in a sex positivity way. It's like, it's actually like a pretty, like a, that whole moment where she like, they, they like come together and like form this partnership and she's like the empowered one and he's just sort of like, yeah, go, go be who you're supposed to be. Go murder Jason. Go do whatever you got to do. Like, you don't need me to tell you what to do. Uh, that moment is really cool. And that's definitely a moment that was spurred on by sex, which usually in these movies, sex is like interrupted or just at, is capped with being murdered. Yeah. This movie seems exceedingly self-aware. Yeah. And that's one of the fun things about it about it is that moment you're talking about where all the, you know, a bunch of the crew member having sex and then there's literally like a montage and that's like what wakes Jason up even though everyone, uh, you know, the doctors all kind of confirm that he's dead. Um and yeah. then right after that, uh or sorry, later in the movie there's uh there's a whole uh uh, what is it a, a simulation scene that's very self-aware and oh, yeah. there's a lot of little jokes about the tropes that seem very self-aware but it yeah. also it's like it's like self-aware but it's not a parody it's not a screen no. movie or a scary movie but even like the fact that when you go oh a horror movie with four sex scenes like it's not that lurid i don't even think there's any like even partial nudity in those moments like it is just like depicting people going and like Spending their time without anyone caring. I, I don't know. Like, of course, it is all like white straight sex. So it would have been nice if uh, if there was a little bit more because there are black people on the ship. Uh, but I guess the android is their version of like exclu- or <laughs> inclusion. Like, oh, yeah, she's still a white cis android. <laughs> it's true. But she's an android. But like, I, but I also guess this like is Canada. Like, I yeah. guess they just, they just they're, they're uh, true. the entire like literally this is true. Three people in the cast are from the show and dro- like they shot this on a break from uh, Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, which shot in Canada. Yeah, like you can. Five you, the, the whole thing has a very Canadian hue to it. Like everybody in it looks very Canadian. Yeah, very Canadian cast, um, especially the lead man. Which I don't even know if you can call him that because he gets so sidelined by the lead woman that he's just kind of like – he's like a perspective – I bet you he told his mom like Adrian Brody did about Thin Red Line. But you he told his mom that he was the lead of the movie and then he saw the movie and he was like, oh, I'm just kind of like a dude who gets to have sex with the cool android, the tr- the trinity from the Matrix android. Uh, yeah. I thought I was in this movie more. <laughs> From an icky standpoint, that is always what I hated. And we talked about this when we did the hollow our Halloween episode. My beef from a not from a movie perspective, but from like a historical perspective about Scream was that like and we talked about this that like sex was always punished in horror movies when that is almost exclusively a Friday the thirteenth trope. And they like applied it to Halloween, which is a very sex positive movie. Um and they applied it to like everything like that was but that was Friday the 13th thing. And even on the documentary, they talk about how it's like supposed to be a parody. But I don't first of all, I don't think any of those movies are operating on satire parody level, except potentially this one. This one um, and maybe Friday versus Jason, but I don't think that one even is self-aware. And so like that idea that a killer that you are because that's ultimately what happens. It's what's talked about all the time. 
ultimately a killer that the audience was cheering on because the 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 quote unquote protagonist had minimal to no characterization or characters and he is they're cheering on sex punishment almost exclusively makes the Friday 13th series a little bit gross to me even the ones that I'm like fine they're just slasher movies and so again besides the fact that I think this is a better movie than most of those I do like that this at least makes fun of Jason like how dumb that is in that holodeck scene that you talked about where they distract him by having two holograms that look like uh people from camp crystal lake being naked and going do you want to you know smoke drugs and have premarital sex it's so fucking funny funny to me despite the fact that it is two women getting horribly abused uh it's so fucking funny to me because it's clearly the movie getting playful and they're like let's play this as a Let's play this as a big joke. Like, it's a yeah. hologram scene. Like, Jason doesn't know the difference between satire and reality. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's make it ridiculous. Who gives a shit? Like, he doesn't. He and- just cares about seeing, like, two pretty young people that get his weird murder boner up. And then uh, them both saying, like, let's do two transgressive things that got you murdered when you were a child. Or yeah. got you drowned when you were a child. We yeah, love, and, he, and they say it in, in unison, we love premarital sex. Like it's 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 a it's a very funny moment, and then even the way they're murdered is like funny in the blackest of black humor. Well, and they're you know they're holograms, and they're like laughing yes. about it. And Jason's palpable frustration at his thing that has always worked not working is is funny. And I actually want to circle back to something else. So you mentioned the upload thing. Uh, this is like my own fan theory. But one thing this movie gets a lot of shit for, uh, this movie has been featured on a lot of, like, bad movie podcasts, um, which, I again, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a fun, goofy movie. It's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good movie trapped in a bad movie suit. Yeah, I think it's a good way to put it. And so, uh, some bad movie podcasts I like and some I don't. We don't need to get into it. But this is, like, a very heavily featured one because it's a, you know, horror in space. Fine. One thing, you mentioned that I gave her an upload – and this movie is filled with some of the worst quips in the world. And everyone, even at the most like dire times, is super quippy. You can read that as the filmmakers thought they had to write funny quips, didn't understand tone or temperature of scenes, and so like they stand out in our bag. Here's how I like to read it, and I really do like this reading of it, is that like language changes and we know from our time about like how quippy people got from like television shows and like imagine how much that proceeds to the fact that like literally quips are a way of communicating. They're not actually trying to communicate a joke, but like the vernacular has changed to the point that like when the person goes like he's screwed, that is like a quip that actually means some very sad stuff. Like, that's just the way the language has evolved. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I like that read of it because it makes it makes the sarcastic one-liners that don't fit, almost awkwardly not fit, actually, like, make sense from a just a future language perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I... And, that's and, my fan and, theory. And I think that the movie is functional enough on all of the important levels that it doesn't matter whether or not like small moments ring hollow like the fact that there's a stoner 
space dog. dreadlock dude in yeah. space. And, like, he, it's supposed to be kind of funny that, like, there's just, like, a fucking stoner in space. Like, yeah, they they also did that just straight up in Prometheus. But the, the, the it's supposed to be kind of funny that this is, and it doesn't really, it's not really funny. But, like, that is sort of them saying, this is what happens when you adapt all these tropes to space. And it says, it's basically saying, like, not all this works. But the stuff that does, but the stuff that does work, is a uh, like there is a third act twist in this that is genuinely genius, and we already talked about it. Jason get it ending yeah. up on the nano machine table because it's basically the movie finding a way to literalize his resurrection. His re- resurrection before was like we don't know if it was magic, we don't know if Jason's just really strong when he came back, like we don't know if this is like some other dude posing as Jason. Like there's like a lot of weird fan theories for why Jason can take all this damage. And the third act twist is like let's find a super literal reason for why it's here and justify the whole going to space thing. Yeah. Uh, and they can resurrect him in the movie after blowing him apart and then find other ways they can't kill him, which is which is clever. Like, uh, he eventually doesn't die from being shot out like a fucking meteor towards a planet. And it's implied he is he is still alive. Yeah, all that stuff is, like, great. Uh, and it makes the movie um, a lot of fun that it's, like, hitting all these tropes. And also, like, the quips are kind of eye-rolling. But this movie has genuinely funny moments. The the line where the professor, he's been using like a medical knife that looks a little machete-ish. And he goes to go kill the, the professor. And he sees his like his actual machete that they took from the planet next to him. And he drops the medical one and he picks up his knife. And the professor calls everyone on the radio after panicking and goes... It's okay, guys. It's okay. He just wanted his machete back. Uh, and then they like, don't even show his murder. They just play him screaming, which yeah. makes it so that – is, that is a really, like, smart filmmaking decision, by the way. Yeah, it is. It's very good. And it has, like, that Jurassic Park when they're hearing raptors attack on the radio moment where it's like, uh, that's very good. I also love the Indiana Jones gag. Where right after that upload scene we talked about where she is like now in leather and she's Trinity from the Matrix and she's showing off all these moves. He throws his knife at her and she immediately crumbles on the ground seemingly dead. And everyone just kind of goes, oh shit. (laughs) Well, we're boned. We didn't know he could throw the knife and she's like doing all her fancy moves. And then of course it has a twist on that where that is like her plan. Like, gotcha. Now you've walked up to me without your knife and I'm going to fuck you up. And she does. Like, it. that stuff is funny and clever and good. Can I talk about really quickly something that I – so, okay, the movie has – this is my central thesis on this movie. The movie has terrible lighting. Uh, yeah. it, has, it, it often has stiff dialogue. It was shot um, on an early digital camera too. Oh, it uh, is – it is a hideous looking movie. Yeah. Uh, it and I think it is that digital camera. I remember seeing something once where it was like the first, and I I tried to find this piece of trivia, but I remember re. So this was actually shot in two thousand and then sat on the shelf for a couple of years. So I remember reading that it was the second movie ever to be shot on digital cameras completely after, um, after Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Like, Which is an I, insane fact. 
Yeah. Now, it may be, like, studio, big budget. I'm sure there was some independent stuff that – but, like, I remember reading that at the time and thinking that was crazy. But, again, I could not find any uh, collaborating evidence, corroborating evidence. But. but this was before digital film started to have a texture of its own and they figured out how to, like, digitally color correct like the Coen brothers did for Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? And, and David Fincher did for Fight Club and – um. This is before they can make digital film look good, basically. Um, yeah, and it was before. It was even before Man used it to make some very ugly movies that a lot of people defend. But like, like I think the first one was that Man did like this was uh, Miami Vice. Yeah, which yeah, was two thousand five, yeah. and even like Collateral, which got a lot of like praise for being digitally filmed, was that was two thousand four, and this was filmed in two thousand and came out in. 2002 so uh this wasn't meant to be gritty but those are the cameras that it used and yeah it looks like garbage yeah it looks like a command and conquer uh scene where you're Cutsy. meeting with the generals. i was thinking wing commander <laughs> yeah no but also command and conquer there's the scenes in red alert with fucking like tim K- tim curry like they got like actual a-list stars to like hey wing commander did too you had malcolm that- mcdowell and mark hamill yeah, it's crazy. Like, they got – for all – there's this, this era of games where they're like, your reward for beating this mission, which was probably a very hard mission because games used to be very, very hard, <laughs> um, is to see uh, Tim Curry ham it up. And that is – it's that's its own reward right there. Like, that's a beautiful reward. Um, yeah, I mean, I would play it just if they only showed Tim Curry scenes from Congo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unrelated to the game like i don't know why when i beat this command and conquer red alert mission we see tim curry going the diamonds of the lost city of zinge but i'm into it and i want to win more missions yeah it's a it's a good motivating factor um have you ever seen the video of tim curry playing um it, in a red alert game where they basically left it I, taken I, yeah I, I have it's, it's great really good the one place where the one place where communism can thrive <laughs> in space. <laughs> I, I, whatever, whatever. Tim Curry. He was also on a show called Earth Two, which was only on two seasons. But he was the bad guy. He was like the Doctor Smith character of that of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what I remember the show intimately. Can, do Do you really? Yeah. Oh, um, I do. The, I don't know what accent he did for all these like hammy '90s villains things, but uh, it it was amazing. And it's just an accent where it's like if you wanted to ma- to to do Tim Curry's accent in these '90s movies, just take your mouth and as you're talking, like turn it 360 degrees, like start and just move your lips clockwise as you speak, and you'll be like the diamonds of like. That's all it is. And he like is like, I'm going to make some good money just rotating my mouth. Um, unlike the flat earthers. Not 180 <laughs> degrees, but 360. Uh, they're, doing, they're doing spin talk, which means their mouths are moving 360. That's the spinning direction. Yeah, you can't hit the nose because that's where the government found God. Peter, uh, I don't know what you're doing, so, today, but I think so, you should watch all those videos. I should. The, the point here is that the, pr- the the production quality of this movie is terrible. The SFX are charmingly bad, like Command & Conquer or StarCraft or whatever. Like, the digital effects in general are really bad. 
It almost feels like those are those Resident Evil like live action cutscenes too. Like it feels yeah, very video gamey. I mean, a movie like the Scorpion King or uh, the Mummy Returns, which has that like memeable image of how bad the CGI. I mean, that was an eighty million dollar movie that came yeah. out two years after that, and they're like, ah, I don't know. So I guess this is CGI. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this was a notoriously bad time for CGI. Yeah, and 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 honestly, weirdly enough, the CGI in this is charming to me because it reminds me of video games of that era. Well, it's um, a lot of holodeck stuff, so like you could make an argument uh, that that is just what the holodeck technology looks like because even though it is four hundred years in the future. Like, holodeck technology is tough. Yeah, and even just the scenes of the ships, like, docking and stuff, that looks like, you know, PS1, PS2 graphics, and uh, that stuff is, is is charming to me because of the era I grew up on, but it's objectively, yeah. like, has not aged well. Anyways, my point here is that and the lighting is bad, yada, yada. The production value on the movie is very bad, but all of the core mechanics of the movie work really, really well, and yeah. they're tight, and they deliver... A laugh, a scare, a visceral moment, a good action moment. Like, they're delivering you something all the fucking time. And it's got good death great- scenes and it's able to make them inventive in a way that they weren't – like, the the dry ice frozen scene is a fucking brutal – but it the, the, is – Yeah, something- I said Face Mash makes this movie better than Event Horizon. I'm sorry. Uh yeah, and uh, that like the screw scene while it has the funny line afterwards, like that scene of him being paled by like the drill, the space drill, and yeah. then like slowly rotating around it, like that's a good that's a good horror movie kill. That whole scene where yeah. it's essentially a riff on both alien, uh, maybe not both, but either Aliens or Predator Two, um, because both of those have. I guess where- they were ripping off. Aliens Sorry, what? Not, my guess is they were ripping off Aliens, not like, oh, but also Predator 2. It feels closer to Predator 2 to me, just like the, the mechanics of it, but it is definitely riffing off Aliens. But anyways, so it's it's supposed to be this moment where a bunch of Marines go in and you're like, they're going to mop them up. And then there's two of our, you know, two of our characters or like our main cast is sitting watching cameras or listening to mics um, and they're just listening to the team get fucking tore up, right? And the Marines go in and they're all like, they're all braggadocio. They're all like, they're they're all balls. And then they just get torn up. And that's like a really fun little scene. Like it's a cheap looking warehouse with all shadows, but it's a really fun scene with really fun kills. It's a good, it's a good like 25 minute segment. Yeah, it's, fucking rad and it adds a sense of uh it gives you uh, the what slasher people really want is like find me a dramatic context where jason killing a lot of people feels scary and the context is not that i actually really care about these characters though i will say something that i'll get to later i really like the lead actress yeah i do too actually she's 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 like She's great. And the movie essentially has two Ripley's if you count her and the android lady. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the, that scene is because I sort of care about her, but also I am put in the position of how much scarier would it be to have that little level of abstraction? Like I'm in a room watching Jason or listening to Jason take yeah. a team apart. That is really great. Like that that works on both horror mechanics and action mechanic levels. And the fact that they found this character, Sergeant Brodsky, this actor rules. Yeah, he's really good. 
Yeah, he's uh give me a second. He's in some other stuff. So know what's funny? Have you have you played Dead Space? You've played Dead Space. Yeah. Yeah. Dead Space. De- he plays the exact same. He character. plays the space? He plays the space. Uh Peter Mensa. Uh which is what I would name myself if I were a doctor. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good plan. Yeah, uh, Peter Mensa. He is the exact same character in Dead Space. He's a I knew I recognized the voice. He's a space marine on a ship that's primarily scientifically focused, and he is. This was not an accident, and he is essentially leading like a group of marines that just are getting torn apart, and he is just like trying to hold it together, and he's bald, and uh, yeah, he's the same character in Dead Space. But yeah, my my final point, uh, my final, but. The mechanics here feel sound. The killer mechanics, the murder yeah. mechanics, the 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 moment to moment action scenes, they feel sound. They don't feel sloppy and loose and like the way bad movies do. Like so even though it has shitty lighting and all that, the scene itself is playing out in a very dramatically compelling way. Yeah, and also I like how you know, one thing that all these slasher movies really drive home is like the kills and the amount of kills and there's websites now and i'm sure there were early websites when this movie came out that like tracked which movie had the most kills like that was always the bread and butter of slasher movies especially heavily sequelized slasher movies uh this uh very much takes the cake uh even if they don't have an exact count because not only does he murder an entire military unit uh he also uh as a result of his actions kills the captain who then rams the spaceship through uh, a space station, which is implied to have hundreds of thousands of people on it, and the spaceship blows up. Or the oh, space yeah. Blows I up. think the screenwriter joked, like, uh, yeah, he killed 20,000 people there. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, it'll never be talked unless, like, they are the there's a Jason movie where he sets off a nuclear blast. And, again, I don't think it's like, oh, cool, this one can't be beaten from a killer standpoint. I think that speaks to this movie's self-awareness that it has, uh, you know, both the military scene, but also like, let's really put this over the top in how much destruction Jason has caused. Like, let's make this bigger than the crew of the spaceship in a funny way. And that yeah. scene is very funny, especially when uh, the dickhead professors like – Let's just make another pass. I think we just dinged it as they <laughs> tore through it, uh, causing an immediate explosion. Like, it's fun. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really funny moments in this. I mean, there's some bad jokes, but, like, the movie is incredibly self-aware. I really like the moment where J- – do you remember the moment when Jason is – they open the door to the cryo chamber right at the beginning? Oh, yeah. And, and he – his corpse falls with the knife still yeah, holding that's- up. That's how they – I didn't want to reveal that in our early part. But, yeah, that's when everyone's like, all right, well, go get your nanobots because uh, your arm was cut off. That's their kind of because blase Jason attitude. Just, Jason doesn't kill him because of any will of his own. Jason is so deadly that just his body falling over chopped <laughs> yeah. a dude's arm clean off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, that scene is very uh, funny. I think also from a political message standpoint – uh, Earth is uninhabitable because of global warming. So, uh, Jason knew about global warming before the entire GOP does. So, that's good. Good for him. And this is like, hey, this is pre-Jason could have seen an inconvenient truth. So, I think it's pretty good that he is aware, as the writer and director of this movie, Jason, 
is aware of global warming. Uh, Jason doesn't really have much of I I don't know if Jason was much worried about it before. Um, but now he definitely, uh, he definitely knows because he, uh, is, uh, in the future and in space. Yeah. Um, uh, so my last funny moment, another funny moment okay. where he says, uh, one of the guy, uh, the, the, the lead lady, which I want to talk about. She says, uh, could you like beam us off or something? <laughs> she's just like, I, cause she woke up like fucking, I don't know, 20 minutes ago and she's just yeah. like, and she's just like, I don't okay, know, like space technology. Got it. Like, use the space shit. Cause she's like, yeah. weirdly enough, the most competent person there, but she doesn't, <laughs> she's the most competent member of the crew and yet. She doesn't know how any of their shit works. So she's just like, I don't know, beam us off or something. And he's like, beam us off? And uh, that's me watching Star Trek. I'm just like, why can't they just use the thing on the ship? And you're like, there are specific rules, Pete. I don't know if you knew this. Yeah, that is good. Because most time travelers from the future or uh, time, like people who end up time traveling to the future don't know about uh, science fiction based in their time period. Uh, usually pretty strategically because they are trying to present a new future world, so they don't want that to conflict with other future worlds. So it's not only a very funny joke, it's one you don't see in these movies that often. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea. She's just like, I literally don't know what you have. I am guessing based off of movies yeah. I've seen. Yeah, that's um, great. What do you think about her? I think she's great. She's the best part. I think she is definitely the best actress uh, or actor oh, yeah. in the movie, like by far. She's yes. really good. I think they... I think her character is well developed and I also think it kind of works because you basically have her of like understands Jason. She worked at the research factory. She knows about Jason. She's trying to warn everyone, but everyone else is like this idiot is like finding a caveman. <laughs> like they're nice to her, but they don't take anything she says seriously in the same way that like if we found someone from the 1600s who's like, quick, get a leech on that cut. You'd be like, you idiot. <laughs> um, I just love how she wakes up. She wakes up and everyone's like, ooh, a girl from 2000. Let's fuck this girl. And, and Yeah, then, that part's and, a little too weird and sexual. And, and, and it's like, imagine if we just, I don't know. She was thawed in ice from Antarctica thawing, if we're going to stand the global warming uh, thing. And she's from 1600. She wakes up and we're all like, I want to have sex with someone from 400 years ago. <laughs> that is the exact same thing happening. <laughs> but here's the problem, Peter. If you have sex with someone 400 years ago, you could become your own grandpa. <gasps> you Do promise? you think that implies if they are also in the future with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh yeah yeah it's a paradox we got a paradox uh, we got um, a paradox so the last note that i actually think is worth saying and it's barely that and then we can move on to final thoughts is i do like that once he becomes super jason he stops using the knife for a while and just starts throwing people um which is supposed to show how powerful he is, but it is like a little change of pace for him. Like all these people keep throwing themselves at him to fight him. And he's like, I pick you up. I throw you. I pick you up. I throw you. Uh, which led to this note, Peter, that I think needs to be etched in the annals of history. Uh, Cyber Jason is a thrower, not a shower. Thanks. That's all, folks. So, um, so, yeah, uh, that's, that's Rowan. So, Rowan. Our, uh, our little uh, protagonist. She's, Keep uh, rolling, 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 rolling. 
It's very that's that's time Thanks. applicable. Peter yeah, you I, can have the, that as the last song too. Uh, she was in Tech War with William Shatner. She played Cowgirl. Wait, what did she play? Oh, in Tech Wars. Yeah, I saw that. In Tech Wars, she she played Cowgirl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, whatever the funny Simpsons line about the Tech Wars are inserted here, but I forgot <laughs> it. Um, but I have one note here, and this is a sad note. And it's that this is the movie that fucking... This was the last time Kane Hodder got to play Jason. Yeah. Which is like a bummer because they dumped him from the series after Freddy vs. Jason and then the series was just dead after that and then they rebooted it and they didn't bring back Kane Harder because that was like the time when they were bringing back like – I just want a want taller the, Jason. They just like, I just want the biggest fucking person I could find. Um, yeah. And, and they didn't care. They, they also just naturally assumed that it didn't matter and I think it does matter and it does show in the new one. Um but yeah, it's uh, it's sad that this is the last time Kane Hodder got to play um, Jason, and he does a great job. He's great at the little physical moments and like the weird moments of confusion where he doesn't have much to do, but he has he. You have to nail those small moments, right? Like it's important. Yeah, it is funny that like our platonic ideal of Jason um, starred in only movies that generally people consider unsuccessful. Like I think this is successful. Um, but I think he's in like seven, eight, nine, and ten, and those are all variously degrees of poorly regarded. Yeah, yeah. It's just it, I think it's just because people like him. Like he's he yeah. Goes to he's the, a he very goes, good Jason. He's a good Jason, and he's and he he's usually like one of the better parts of those movies. And he he goes to the circuits and like. Uh, people like dealing with him and he likes taking pictures with fans and like he really loved he clearly loved playing Jason even though like you know directors very rarely found found something to do with the character that was that interesting like uh, the uh, people have been looking for pathos in Michael Myers since for a while I think um, yeah before Rob Zombie Rob Zombie was weirdly enough continuing a trend uh, that it that had been happening for a while, um, probably since like five or six uh, Halloween had five or six, and that that like you know there's some sort of sadness under this that this is a this is a damaged person that like maybe we can bring him back if we can find the right you know the right space for him, and uh, then eventually that series went into like weird conspiracy theory shit, uh, but. Uh, then Rob Zombie was like, I want to dig into that too. Like, what makes Jason Jason? Or sorry, what makes Michael Myers Michael Myers? And with Jason, like, it seems like he never really got that chance. And then people were just like, well, dude in a mask, interchangeable part, who gives a shit? And that's a super sad thing because, like, what he's doing is small, but what he's doing is small, but what he's doing is important because everyone knows the bad Jasons from the good Jasons. Yeah, I think he was very good with it. I think the difference is, is that because Jason ultimately was a twist ending to a movie that he's not featured in, the entire first movie is about his backstory, right? It's how he died. So there's nothing to discover about Jason. A lot of the movies that uh, – and the remake does this a lot too, which is like try to connect Jason to like his mother a lot more and like being this kind of like uh, per, like maybe too coddled mother's boy that was overprotected. Um, but I think part of the reason that 
you don't see that from Friday the 13th movies is that it's all out there from the get-go. Whereas, like, Michael Myers is like, you see a little bit and you wonder why he did it. I mean, it's – he's good. He's very good. Um, I think he is the best version of, of Jason that you can be. And you're right. There is pathos. There is emotion. You There is frustration when he is, when he is trying to kill holodeck people. There is uh, seemingly satisfaction when he gets his machete all done with, like – literally no facial expressions and all like physical body movement that's a level of acting that's very difficult yeah it's it it is uh it's something that's incredibly under i think it's something that's very underwritten and it's something that's underrated about these literally they don't they i'll tell you what this will shock you peter 10 friday 13th core series movies no one wrote one line for Jason. I must have been an oversight that kept happening. But <laughs> it is crazy. So underwritten, yeah, like zero written, no written. Yeah, it's weird. It's that almost the negative only, written. It's weird that the only line Jason ever got to say was uh, "Bob put dialogue here." <laughs> I I thought it was weird though. In Jason Five, uh, you think it's Jason X ends up being something else, but for a second you're like, oh, did he say? Who put the bop and the bop to bang to – oh, never mind. It's just a song on the radio. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that would be the weirdest first Jason line ever. But I didn't recognize the song and now I do. So, I get it. I get it. Um, Yeah. I mean, Bob <laughs> yeah, with the follow bop to bang up. to bang. Yeah, that was in the remake. In the remake, they changed it from who put the bop and the bop to bang to bang to bomb with the bomb to bang to bang diggity. <laughs> I'm glad they remade it though, because it made it more relevant to the new generation. That was more about the bomb. Oh yeah, that was into they new, were with the bomb, metal. Bob, you know. Yeah. Do you think there's a mashup that exists of those two songs? And if not, can we make them? Mm. We can, and that will open up uh, these vast octagonal these vast octagonal uh, ports in the earth that uh, great lizards will ride out of and Ooh, finally, finally swallow us whole. Because I've been seeing some good lizards. I'd like to find some great ones. Yeah, I mean, you can never find a, a great lizard just out in the wild. You know, you can go on as yeah, many some, hikes Sometimes as people like. will be like, I think this is a great one. I'm like, no, that's very good at best. Uh, let me uh, hold your, uh, you know, hold your uh, wagons there, there, old cowboy. But uh, look, <laughs> I look, think people say I'm a tough crater, but I think it's a B plus lizard at best. Uh, I've never given A's because I don't believe in perfection. So if a great lizard can come out of some portals, maybe show off their stuff. I think it's time to mash up. Who put the bond the bond bang to bang with Bawatava? Your so your rating system is essentially um, a, a, a challenge. It's a challenge for the lizards to get their shit together. <laughs> lizards, they're slackers. Frankly, uh, if I could, if I could say one thing about lizards, is that they gotta get their shit together, buddy. Look, don't want to go back to the beginning, but lizards, this is advice from talk show radio host. All right. Remember, you're cold-blooded. Use uh, shelter and uh, weather to regulate your body temperature because you can't do it on your own, fools. (laughs) That's good advice. Uh, Lizard right-wing talk show host. (laughs) Well, I think if lizards can't get their own heating pads, they can't afford their own heating pads, then uh, uh, they deserve to freeze. Well, now it's a debate show between, yeah. <laughs> between I'm the liberal lizard. I'm the Combs and you're the Hannity. 
And I'm also, as a Hannity, speaking as a lizard person. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm a lizard eight- American. And I need to say right now that uh, I, I fought I fought tooth and nail. I pulled myself up by my own scales and I afforded my own hot plate. And, you know, if other people can't do that, you know, that's that's for them to figure out. OK, hey, I don't think hey. we should. I don't think we should have national hot plates for lizards. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm a lizard. OK, I don't need the government, the lizard government to tell me that I'm cold-blooded and shouldn't stay out in the sun all day because I will die. That is my body, my choice, (laughs) and how I'm going to use my body that government cannot tell me. That what's funny is that that does sound like a right wing thing, but then as I started saying it, it started like sounding like the thing that right wingers hate, which is people saying "my body, my choice." So it's very confusing what they believe. I would I would almost throw out there they don't really believe in anything. <laughs> Just, uh, no, they, they they believe in whatever serves their purposes within the a money. five minute window, and then after that, it's like fucking gone. Well, I gotta say, I gotta say, this karma chameleon, we gotta catch him. We got to catch the karma chameleon. We got to stick him in Guantanamo. That's what I'm saying. Look, first, I can handle their political bigotry about human issues. But lizard issues? It's a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> now you're defacing God's creatures. They were on Noah's Ark. Were you? Were you Jebediah, Bethesda, Maladusa? Noah and his sons, I think? <laughs> I was confronted Outside of a coffee shop. And uh, somebody said, uh, sir, would you mind paying for your coffee? And, and and I had to drop my tail and I had to leave. And this is the future that liberals want in this country. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, only one job with Geico. <laughs> you know, you know, in this country, uh, lizards can't get a job as anything other than, a, you know, a, a corporate spokesperson. You yeah. know, I'm sorry. All of think- our right wing lizard propaganda keeps turning into left wing lizard propaganda <laughs> where we're now complaining about the lizard elites. Uh, I don't know if our brains are just tuned to that, Peter, but it seems like we keep accidentally making liberal points with our right wing. <laughs> Must be an oversight. I will definitely write this podcast and issue my complaints. Peter, final thoughts on Jason X. Final thoughts. Looks like trash is actually gold. Yeah, it's really fun. Like, this is a perfect party movie. It is a perfect I just want to have a fun time movie. Um, it is, I again, I have not seen all of them. One of these days I'll get around to it and I'll say if my rating stands. But it is my favorite of the first 11 uh, Jason movies. Like, it's just a ton of fun. They should do more things where horror, like, go put the ring in space. Why isn't the ring lady in space? Like, rings sucked. Put her in space. See what happens. Have some fun with your horror icons. The grudge in space? Great. Never even saw it. Maybe an eye comes out somewhere. I forget from the trailer. But yeah, put her in, put him in space. Put but the like, grudge in space. But like, if a, Have a space I know they grudge. did this with the Event Horizon, but like, if a house can be haunted, I don't know why a spaceship couldn't be haunted. Yeah, Event Horizon is essentially Hellraiser in space the year after Hellraiser went to space. <laughs> so yeah, if you're going to keep throwing Hellraisers in there, throw a couple grudges and rings. Maybe Grudge- Pennywise. G- no, Pennywise. you got an it three. You got an it three up your up well, your. Penny- up- Pennywise is essentially a cosmic horror villain. Uh, he would love to go back to space. See what that's all about. Yeah, he should go to space. You don't have an idea for it three. Throw him in space. 
As much as I didn't like the Machete movies, I did like that Robert Rodriguez at one point was going to do Machete 3 in space. Put people in space. But not not astronauts, because there's no such thing as space. It's just the sky filament or firmament. Yeah, well, if you want you know, just speaking as a, as a Christian here, or if you're going to put something in space, it better be the angels, the seraphim, and the Lord, because humans cannot make it up there. Hey, what has scientists ever given us as I upload this video to my computer and the internet? <laughs> Nothing. They're all full of shit. They're all full of shit. And I'm being censored right now because my my governor will not come to Chili's with me on Thursday night to talk about the flat earth. You were elected using taxpayer money illegally stolen from me. And you won't even go to Chili's? Get a combo meal with me? You won't even you won't even go, go come back and get my I want my baby back I want my baby back baby back baby back chilies baby back baby back baby back ribs uh like you won't even come back and and eat those with me on a Thursday night and talk over the flat Earth. There's a scene from the Flat Earth documentary where they're having a big flat Earth meeting and someone goes. So just to be clear, would it help? Has any professor or teacher or anyone in the scientific community come out in support of uh, our flat earth theory and they're like there's like a long awkward pause and they're like well no but like if you get to that level of academia you can't get there if you are willing to openly a question authority so by their definition if they're in a position of scientific uh achievement in this country they are not able to believe in this because they have been <laughs> like it is so good peter God, go why? Jason X is good. The, behind the, the curve, belief. There's no yeah. closed ends. No, it's amazing. Well, anyway, uh, yeah. So watch Jason X. Watch Behind the Curve. <laughs> um, streaming on Netflix right now. Uh, Peter, what else we got this month? Uh, I think next week we're doing Sunshine. Uh, we are doing Sunshine, and then we're going to cap the month off with the movie that i think you could say started it all for this particular genre and it's alien alien but that is gonna round out our month so yeah two big ones uh a recent one and the one that started it all in space no one can hear you stream this podcast well i'm not gonna say anything after that let's just end it there perfect Folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we've got just a few quick announcements for you. There ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs, baby. If you'd like to talk to us, uh, tell us we're stupid, tell us we're beautiful. The quickest way to get to us is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash we love to watch, or our website, WLTWpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys. 
And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost, we don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available, if you don't use iTunes, we're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, TuneIn. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, guys, on our Facebook page especially. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, Let us know what you guys are thinking. And again... Above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.